Attention Northwest Arkansas businesses and talent seekers. Introducing Onboard NWA.com, your hyperlocal job board crafted for our unique community. Struggling to find the perfect match for your job openings? Onboard NWA simplifies the hiring process, connecting you with the region's top talent through tailored talent matching solutions. Whether you're an employer seeking expertise or a professional looking for your next opportunity, Onboard NWA is here for you. Discover more at onboardnwa.com and let's build the future of Northwest Arkansas together. Northwest Arkansas, Randy here, bringing you a quick word from our sponsor, Signature Bank of Arkansas. Since 2005, Signature Bank has been all about empowering our community with local ownership and top-notch banking services. Signature Bank's roots run deep with assets over a billion dollars, and they're right here in your backyard with branches in Bentonville, Rogers, Springdale, Fayetteville, and now including Harrison and Jonesboro. With a growing family of more than 200 teammates, they're ready to serve you with the warmth only a true community bank can offer. And they've got Banco C, the first bilingual bank in Arkansas, to ensure that banking is for everyone. So give Signature Bank a call at 479-684-3700 or visit Signature.Bank online. Mention you heard about them on the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast for that personal touch. Signature Bank of Arkansas. Big on assets, local at heart, and a proud member of the FDIC and an equal housing lender. It's time for another episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas, the podcast covering the intersection of business, culture, entrepreneurship, and life in general here in the Ozarks. Whether you are considering a move to this area or trying to learn more about the place you call home, we've got something special for you. Here's our host, Randy Wilburn. Hey folks, and welcome back to another episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and I'm excited to be with you today, as I always am. And today's a, uh, I'm not going to call it a special episode. I will call it an episode of persistence and an episode of, hey, you know, I love getting messages from people that just reach out and say, hey, I love the podcast. I've been listening for a while. I'd love to be a guest. You know, a lot of people reach out to me and I'll just for pure transparency. I say no to a lot of people because it's not that every message isn't right for a podcast. I believe I believe there is a podcast for every message, but there are just certain messages I'm trying to get out on this podcast. And so I try to share my platform 
with as many people as I can. And so today's guest is no exception to that. But uh, this this individual sent me a, a wonderful email and I just, I mean, and I got it. It was multiple paragraphs and I was like, well, I, I can't ignore this guy. I'm going to have to respond back. And it was a really good email. His name is Kenneth Webb and he is the artist owner operator of Web Blades, that they are a bespoke. They make bespoke chef knives, outdoor blades, and many other forged accoutrements and talismans for your life. That's his words, not mine, but I like them, so I'm going to use them. He does amazing work. I've seen the website, and we had a great conversation, which I typically try to do before I bring somebody on. I don't really talk to people cold. I at least have some knowledge of who they are and what they're about. Amazing, amazing story, which I think you're going to enjoy today. And so I'm excited to bring him on the podcast. But I say all this to say that You know, there are always going to be opportunities for you to share your story. And my encouragement to you listening to this, whether you've been on a podcast or not, is to share your story early and often. A, because it's just good for you to tell your story to other people, right? Because as human beings, we thrive off of storytelling. But I also think it's important for you as an individual, as you continue to grow in this thing that we call life, I think it's important for you to, you know, have tell your story. And I know a lot of people that keep their stories bottled up and and closed in and and they don't share it with anybody. And I'm just here to tell you, as somebody that has, as I was telling Ken before we started recording, has recorded more than 1,200 podcast episodes. Uh, First of all, I sucked at the beginning and I just kept pressing record over and over again and it got better and better and better. Not to say that I'm Paul Harvey or anything like that, but I will say that I know what I'm doing. And I just love the sound of the human voice and the intonations that come with that. And I'm going to continue to do this. Like I said, I've said it over and over again for as long as I can. As long as the good Lord lets me breathe, I am going to speak into a microphone and tell stories and hear other people's stories and have conversations with them. And so I just want to encourage you listening that your story does matter. If nobody's told you before, It really does. I want you to hear it directly from me. I appreciate you if you're part of the I Am Northwest Arkansas tribe. You know, we I do this for everybody that listens to this podcast, whether you're new in town or whether you've been here all your life. You know, like I tell people all the time, this is the podcast I would have wanted to listen to before I moved here to know what I'm getting myself into. But then that's the beauty of it, right? Once you know what you're getting yourself into, then it's time for you to start peeling back the layers to find out what else about this place makes it so special. And so I try to tell those stories on a regular basis every week to enlighten and illuminate everyone that will come in contact with the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast. So today I'm excited to tell the story and to hear the story of Kenneth Webb. Again, Kenneth Webb is an artist and a bladesmith, and he's from uh, Webb Blades, LLC. We'll put all this information in the show notes, but without further ado, and I know that was a long preamble, Ken, but thank you for coming on the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast. How are you doing today? Thank you so much, Randy. It's a pleasure to be here. Really super chuffed. Yeah. So yes, I'm a bladesmith here in Fayetteville. I've been doing this a long time, turning 45 years old here. Over the winter, I actually made my first knife-shaped object when I was 13, and it started a, a lifetime of being compelled to explore this further. I was homeschooled in southern central Missouri. All these different life experiences shape up the road that we're going on to arrive where we end up. Went into the military, 
in a professional life, I was... Uh, Wait, don't just gloss over going <laughs> into the military. First of all, thank you for your service. Oh, thank you so much. But secondly, how old were you when you went into the military? I want people to hear this. I went in in the delayed entry program when I was 16 years old. I didn't even know that was such a thing. What, what is the delayed entry program? Uh, it's a, It basically requires a parent's signature. I was wow. actually 17 when I went into boot camp. So the uh, you know that was necessary to break me out of uh, small town Missouri, which which I'm very thankful for, but exposed me to the world after having a homeschooled environment and just kicked me right out there into the high wind. <laughs> so super instrumental in, in shaping the life that, uh, that is to follow. But this knife making is something that kept resurfacing and kept being something that I was compelled to do, even through being in a professional environment, sales, largely the automotive industry. It's something that I kept as a hobby, you know, and, and then you have a have a room for it and then you have a garage for it. And then that garage is not big enough. Now you've got, you know, you have a, a certain setup that just kind of keeps swallowing the entire every waking second. So at one point, you know, my special order just increases to the point to where it requires more and more time. In fall of 2021, uh, I had the opportunity to go sign on as the bladesmith for Silver Dollar City there okay. in Branson. And I, uh, I spent right at a year there, learned a lot of stuff. That was my first foray into, into doing this as a full-time occupation, really concentrating on that art. And it became very apparent that at a certain point, we need to put our money where our mouth is, or we're just wasting time. So I made the call to take this hobby into a, a full swing endeavor with this art. So I'm an artist. I'm a bladesmith. I make very high-end pieces, but that's really less important as to the why. Why is art important? It's important to me to be more connected, not only with myself, but with other people. There's something with a talisman and a, a high-level object that informs the way that you experience the world. Wait, so just so for the uninitiated, because I know some people will hear that word talisman and not know what to appoint it to. So mm -hmm. just let's framework that. Just define a talisman. Yeah, absolutely. So a talisman is something, is something that, that informs a higher level of existence. If you just take a $20 chef knife from... Walmart or wherever your package store is, you know, the favorite getting place that you go to, that'll cut your sandwich, cut your sandwich just fine. Most people have never picked up or have any experience using a very high-end chef knife or a tool like that. And there's something that happens when you, when you pick up something and, you, oh, this is something different. Yeah. This is something that all of a sudden now you're stepping into a higher higher frame of mind, and now your cuts become much sharper. Now you're looking for better recipes to provide with the, the family that is at your table to cook with your friends for a dinner party. And now there's few things important, more important than the food that we put in our bodies. Yeah. And if that helps someone have a higher level of connectivity with their family and with the people that they choose to break bread with, mm -hmm. that is in service to connection. And that's why I do this. Yeah. There's many bodies in the street. There's a lot of uh, <laughs> blood on the road and there's a lot of sacrifices made to, to chase this to this level. And I'm into leaning into that more and deeper. Yeah. You know, it's funny because, uh, and I think we talked about this a little bit, is that, you know, chefs, you know, they're knives, they're, those tools, they're tools, right? A knife is a tool to a chef. Absolutely. They're so important. 
And I was kind of relaying to you an episode that I saw of this show called Bear, which is, I don't know if it's on Hulu. I forget which Paramount. It's on one of those platforms. It's a really gritty 30-minute look at the restaurant business from the perspective of an, of an individual that is has kind of cut his teeth as a sous chef in some of the finer restaurants and comes back home to take over his family restaurant with his brother. And he does a bunch of stuff. And in the first episode, one of the things that he's looking for frantically is his knife. I mean, dude's losing his mind because he can't find his knife. And, you know, I've talked to friends like uh, Matt Cooper at Conifer and Elliot Hunt at Atlas and Chef Raphael at Yeos and, you know, their knives are everything to them. I mean, it's just, it's like a family member. So that's how important knives are. But you take it to a whole nother level. I know you've been involved with the, the, the NWA Makers Market. And that may be where you first heard about me, I think. It absolutely was yeah, through so, Bo and Shelley's platform. Yeah. And so there's a lot going on in this community here in Northwest Arkansas as it pertains to makers, whether you're doing so any type of art, right? And so knife making is an art form. And so I'm just, I'm curious to know from you, what has, what has really informed your artistic expression when it comes to bladesmithing? And the utilitarian aspects of what a knife represents for a lot of people, whether mm-hmm. I'm out in the wilderness just chopping up stuff or whether I'm physically in my house about to make some amazing chef salad. Absolutely. The art itself is, it's a modality of self-improvement. Yeah. It's where I discover what I'm nervous about, what I'm fearful about, what I'm doubting in myself that I can accomplish. And it's it's something that allows me to push my own envelope further through self-improvement. And they haven't all been winners. You've been doing this podcast business for a long time. I've made countless knives. They were not all winners. <laughs> I've made a heap and a mountain full of junk yeah. to get to where I'm at now. Yeah. And I think that's the way it is with any high level art. There's a road to accomplishment that is, that is super important. And that's to be leaned into more and greater, something I'm compelled to do. Yeah. I've done it in the rain. I've done it outside. That's just how it is. You know, and as, as we, and we, again, we talked about this too, was just the fact that, you know, when you forge steel and you create something like this, sometimes it has the ability to outlast you, right? As, as, as an owner. And I was kind of relaying to you the fact that there are samurai swords out there that were made, you know, in the, it, a long time ago, a thousand years ago, and that still exist to, today. And so I think it's interesting. And this is, you know, it's such a high level of art form when it comes to creating a blade, because you, you're not necessarily creating it just for one use, but it has the ability to last a lifetime and then some. And that is a talisman. That's exactly it. <laughs> yeah. So it's a very connected thing. Knives are one of our first tools right there with fire and containers and, you know, the ability to tie something together. And there's something that's, that's very, very close to the bone when it comes to using a tool like that. No pun intended. Right. Exactly. Hopefully <laughs> so, not. Right. So, so tell me, what have you, like, as you created a commercial entity, entity with your business, what have you discovered about the making of these blades, of, of these knives in terms of, you know, what does the market tell you it wants when it comes to knives? Or are you just, you know, cause like some artists are just like, listen, I don't care what the market is asking for. This is what I feel am call, I'm called to create. Or do you allow some sort of ability to be informed by what the public wants? Yes. 
So I think what the market wants when it, when it comes to a high level, especially when you're talking about art, the market wants to hear that story because it's about the why. It's not about the just making a thing for a sale. Can't expect anybody to care about that. It's understanding the perspective of the tool or of the piece of art and why that matters. Mm-hmm. It's a, a simple knife does, does the same job just fine, but it's, it's not about that. Whatever your thing is, if you're into a hand engraved fine shotguns or a fine automobile, there's a, there's a, certain, there's a certain thing that really makes people tick and, and clicks and, and vibrates with people that they are compelled to, to find the source of that. Mm-hmm. And if, if an artist isn't getting out there and telling their story or explaining the why, then just sitting in your shop is never going to bring that out to the world. Yeah. So being connected. Getting that story out to more people, having more, giving more people the opportunity to be exposed to the art that I'm doing, and the rest of the artists in here in Northwest Arkansas. I think if uh, I think if everybody is more connected and plugged in to to what we're doing, then we have no questions about who to go to. You always know where to go to when it comes to these type of things. Yeah, it's a super super meaningful thing that, that needs to be explored. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you find is like the the most utilitarian request that you get for for a knife? Like, I mean, do people commission you? Obviously, I'm sure that some people in the local culinary scene might be aware of you and, and your experience and what you've created. But do people like commission you for knives or how does that work? They do. And I'm actually moving more into having product available on my website that's not spoken for. Because for a long time, I was a year and, and even sometimes more than two years booked out on special order commission, which I, I still do some custom work. There's a type of a, a limitation to, to a custom commission. Let's say I took this commission two years ago. And we agree on a thing for a set price. That thing be tied to my vision of what that knife needs to be. Well, meantime, in the two years prior to that, my skills and my abilities have increased exponentially. And so now I've got the quandary of, do I limit myself and the piece that I'm working on to my enlightenment and my understanding that I had two years ago, mm-hmm. or do I maintain integrity and still put out that same level of product that now no longer reflects the price that we negotiated? Yeah. So a custom commission is, is still something that is, is super valuable, valuable and viable, but I'm discovering more and more that the being on right on the cusp of the inspiration and the skill allows me to create exactly to the level and the limit of my ability as I understand it at the time. Mm-hmm. And next month, next year, I'm going to create something bigger and better, and and that'll keep people available to uh, to have uh, the very best of what's offered yeah. at any given time. Yeah, no, that that makes that makes perfect sense. So, do you now? Where is your studio? I'm uh, here in Fayetteville, right off of Weddington Road. Okay. Just all back right. off the creek a little ways. All right. Do you have, is there an apprentice? It is all me. It's all you. Now, okay. I do have uh, designs for scaling up a bit and getting an employee or two to handle excess, excess needs and product flow. But at this point, it's just me. I work in a very small shop yeah. and with plans of going into some construction here this fall to create the way for bigger and better things. What about teaching bladesmithing? Have you I done do. That? I offer classes. Okay. You know, both for general blacksmithing as well as specifically to bladesmithing. There's a, you know, I do demonstrations as well for certain events. 
But yeah, if somebody is interested in pursuing the craft of that, or maybe they have never hit a hot piece of metal with a hammer, just to to get out and have a an experience of of what that seems like uh-huh. uh, is is absolutely in the cards. Yeah, we could put that together. Yeah, there was a really good movie that I saw. I think I want to say it was called Hunted. It was with Benicio del Toro. Yes, Tommy and, Lee Jones. Yes, and Tommy Lee Jones was a tracker. And Del Toro was kind of like this special ops guy, I guess like Jason Bourne in the wilderness, if you will. But he, you know, he made, he forged a knife in just out in the wild. And it was like from a piece of uh, a piece of steel. Right. And it was like, man, you know, and you're thinking, OK, see, he created a tool out of nothing. Just Indeed. About. So and tremendous so I, movie. Yeah, it is a really good movie. But I just thought that was really interesting. And I, and I, and I just thought about the ingenuity of, of man. And to be able to do those things and to come up with new designs and creations and, you know, what you can create when you're kind of when your back is against the wall, if you Absolutely. will. And I know it's a movie, but I just thought it was interesting and it displayed what what is possible. Mm-hmm. But it is a nod of the head to to the alchemy of of that project to get a piece of metal over 2000 degrees and to form that from what it was a completely immovable object and find that it's malleable and ductible. To be able to see the radiation and feel the heat with your eyes closed. Yeah. It's a heck of a thing. <laughs> That's exciting. So what what does the future hold for you with regard to, I mean, you mentioned a little bit about how you potentially may like to expand, but like right now, people listening to this that say, wow, you know, this Kenneth guy sounds amazing. Maybe I'll take a class with him. Maybe I just want to buy a really like finely tuned instrument for my kitchen because I like to cook and Absolutely. I'm sick and tired of all the knives that I pick up at Ross and TJ Maxx and all these other places that have very dull edges. What would you say to those individuals that may be looking for something that's utilitarian, but also, I guess, could also serve as a piece of art? Absolutely. I'd love to have the opportunity to show these folks what I do. My website, www.webblades.com. Three blades right in the middle. It's web blades on all the social media platforms. I've got quite a few uh, videos on YouTube, both in short formats as well as full length, you know, 15 minute videos that that outline, you know, very nuts and bolts of what it took to make a mosaic Damascus blade. You can get on there, subscribe to my newsletter. It's got a pop up that uh, that comes up. I'm the only one that handles that information. You can subscribe to my newsletter, get periodic updates on upcoming blade releases anecdotes, uh, shop updates, just to kind of, you know, keep your finger on a pulse and find out when I might be posting some, some new blades on there. Send me an email. There's plenty of stuff that I've got in the works as well as I've got many fine blades available now on the website. Yeah. And I've seen your website. There's a lot of information on there. We'll, we'll be sure to put links to all of these information on the show notes. And I even think you have a YouTube channel or yes. you have some YouTube videos. Web blades on YouTube right. as well. Yeah. So certainly if anybody wants to see Kenneth in action, putting these together. I think that would be worthwhile. So, okay. I'm an, I'm an amateur chef. My wife would probably laugh if she heard that she's the real chef. But if I were to say, Hey man, I want to get like, well, first of all, I don't, I, I can't mortgage the house for it. Cause mm-hmm. I know these things can be expensive, but if I just wanted to get a really good utilitarian knife for the kitchen, that's going to last. And I think I joked with you when we were on the phone that my wife and I a young man came to our house like many moons ago. We've been married like 23 years now, but many moons ago, a guy came to our house and sold us some Cutco knives, which mm-hmm. have lasted a long time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can go buy that cheap block of knives if you want. 
they're not going to last you. The, the blades are going to chip and all that stuff. And we've had some of the blades deform in one way or the other. And the thing I liked about Cutco was that they stood behind it. They had a lifetime warranty. Mm-hmm. So they have fixed handles. They have fixed blades. They have totally replaced knives. But it sounds like what you're making is kind of on another level in terms of quality and craftsmanship. If I were to say to you, listen, I just want to get one knife mm-hmm. that will serve multiple purposes in the kitchen, what would that knife be? That would be either like a six or seven inch petty chef, which just means small chef, okay. or possibly as large as like an eight inch chef knife. If you have to think of uh, an initial one or maybe just one and done type of purchase, make that be the knife that you would reach for most often in the kitchen. There's yeah. no knife uh, profile that's the best at everything, mm-hmm. but there is a certain type of petty chef or a full size chef that you would reach for 80 to 90% of the time in your kitchen. For a high level experience. So I could pair and cut up vegetables with that, maybe even, you know, quarter a small chicken or something like that. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Dice and chop your your vegetables and your potatoes and your onions and, and get your julienne handled. But yeah, a very user friendly, middle of the road size. Okay. Very universal. Okay. And do these when you deliver these knives to your customer, your clients, mm-hmm. do they come with sheaths or how do they, how, are, I can, how does that work? I can do custom sayas, which is uh, just like a samurai sword. It's got that wooden sheath. Sure, sure. A, a saya would be a rigid wooden sheath. I can do it's those. the best way to protect the blade. Right, yeah. right. To where it just keeps it from rattling around with the spoons and the knives in, in a drawer. If you're not going to put it on an, a magnet on the wall or a block that you already have, that'd be a good, good option is somewhere to protect the blade. As far as standing behind the, prod, uh, the product, I make a very conscientious high-level product that I do stand behind for workmanship and materials defect. Yeah. They are largely natural handle materials, you know, which is, needs to be taken care of uh, appropriately. Whether you're getting uh, one of my mosaic Damascus carbon steel chef knives or forged non-Damascus chef knife. Um, is one stronger than the other? No. Damascus used to be a way of refining a impure ore, okay. uh, but with the modern materials, because I'm starting with the best steels that can be combined, there's really nothing strength-wise to be gained by making that pattern. It's an artistic expression, gotcha. uh, you know, and, and it's a you know it's a it's a vibrational thing. Mm-hmm. I also do a entry-level stainless steel product uh, for those that just d- they don't want their blade oxidizing or developing any type of patina, or they're looking for a just a, a simpler, maybe less expensive version. I offer that as well. There's things about the carbon steel that do outperform a stainless steel blaze, just speaking on very broad strokes on the conversation. But personally, I prefer the carbon steel just because we're all human. Yeah. And a piece of art like that deserves to bear the scars of our humanity. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, I would love something like if I were to have you do, do one for me, I, w- I would love something that I could pass down to my kids. Right. You know, absolutely. It would just be like in the family, like I have a, p- a couple of pieces of silverware and I have a couple of pieces of China that came from my grandmother and she passed away in 98. So this stuff was already old to begin with, but they were just, one was a butter knife and it was just, it's a perfect piece of silver wear and uh, I still have it to this day. Wonderful point. That stuff means things uh, and it has to be cared for. Absolutely. You wouldn't put your fine shotgun out on a picnic table and let it get rained on. (laughs) No. You know, you'd take care of a nice uh, cast iron skillet. Yeah. 
a fine set of china, a fine flatware assortment. That's the high level stuff that we need more of in our life. Yeah. And as you know, for a while there, for a few decades, I think uh, America got really infatuated with the disposable products that were yeah. coming out. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think people are turning back to things that matter and things that are of a higher quality, things that are handmade, that are they're put together by people. Yeah. You know, it's funny because like, you know, like what do they call it? Fast fashion or something like that. Mm-hmm. That fashion that's, you know, you're, it's like you buy a shirt or a pair of pants and you just wear it for a season and then throw it out. And, and that's really wasteful, I think personally. And if there's one thing that meaningless, I think, yeah, if there's one thing I, I think that uh, we could learn is that you don't necessarily have to buy the most expensive thing on the shelf, but some things do last a long time. And I always joke with my kids and, and um, the joke is simply that I remember in college and I'm, I'm almost ashamed to tell this story. It has nothing to do with knives, but it does have something to do with buying something, a quality item. And I remember I was in college and y'all listening to this, please don't judge me, but your boy went into the Gucci shop in, on Connecticut Avenue in Washington, D.C. I was at Howard University at the time and I went and got a pair of Gucci loafers. Now, I will tell anybody that's listening, I was making really good money as a waiter in the 80s. I was making like 200 bucks a night. So it wasn't like I didn't have any money or I didn't, I didn't have any money to, I mean, I made really good money in college. I worked both on Capitol Hill and I also worked as a, I was, I just hustled a lot. So I didn't, you know, I didn't let any grass grow under my feet and I was taking 18 hours a semester. So I wasn't wasting time, but I bought a pair of Gucci loafers and that was 1989. I still own those Gucci loafers. Absolutely. And they fit like they did the day that I bought them. They look amazing. And uh, they are 30, what are they now? 34 years old. And I paid like, at the time was the most expensive. It was, it was still, I think it's to this day, it's still the most expensive pair of shoes I've ever purchased. I I remember it was like, they were like 325 plus tax. And my, my, one of my buddies that was with me, he's like, dude, you're about to buy those. That's a lot of money. And I was like, man, I've always wanted those. And it was, you know, at the time it was a misplaced desire to just, kind of be in the in crowd. And I was always like, I want to get a pair of Gucci loafers. I was like, oh, I saw them in GQ. I got to have them. And I bought them. I still own them to this day. Greatest pair of shoes that I've ever owned. I do. I wear them all the time. I wear them. People are like, man, those are really nice. I'm like, yeah, these are the people. Doesn't, I mean, these are older than my kids. You know, these are these shoes. I tell them sometimes when people tell me that I'm like, they're older than you. So, and that's the quality. It's almost like Alan Edmonds makes really great English shoes. And if you go to any bespoke tailor or any bespoke shoemaker in, in the UK, you can buy shoes. Some of those guys, they've been making shoes for several hundred years. And the quality of sh- craftsmanship in, in an Allen Edmonds shoe, they can take it apart when the sole wears out and resole them. And it's the same shoe. And I've had that done multiple times. Absolutely. That's a talisman. Yeah. When you went to get those <laughs> Gucci loafers, you knew how expensive they were. Yeah. You knew what you were doing, but that was exactly, that was exactly what your soul cried out for. Absolutely. And when you walked out of that place, you felt like a million bucks and the sum of your parts, you were greater than the sum of your parts for that purchase. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a talisman. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, and I, to, I'm just reminded of it to this day and I've never bought another pair of shoes that expensive, but I have bought quality. Like I said, Alan Edmonds, whenever they go on sale uh, every now and then. And yeah, I just, it's just something about quality items. And it sounds like what you're creating is at that level of quality where it's like you buy it. It's like, it's a one and done thing. It's like, I don't need to get another one. 
which is good and bad for you, right? Because people aren't going to come back and say, oh, my, my knife broke three weeks ago. It's right. like, no, this is not going to happen. This knife's going to probably outlast you. So Indeed. Yeah. You know, funny you mention that. Most of my customers are repeat customers. Really? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I would say more people that buy from me come back multiple times. Or they might buy gifts for other people right. or things of that nature. Even if it might not have been the intention at the time, Yeah, I do see most people back. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I love that. So tell me this before we wind up. What has been, because you got to travel a little bit while in the military. Mm-hmm. How long did you serve for? Three years. Three years. Okay. Mm-hmm. Again, thank you for that. But thank what you was, so much. Yeah. What was your, what was your th- initial expression or thought about Northwest Arkansas when you got down here to live? This place has got everything that I want to do and everybody that I want to be around. Right. It's a very cohesive corner of the world. Been it's all crazy, over, right? You, I mean, when you think of it, it's like, man, it's, it's- You wouldn't you wouldn't think that from the outside. Yeah. But yeah, this is filled with everything that I want to do and everybody that I want to do it with. <laughs> I love uh, that. And I didn't know that until I got here. It was just kind of a change of events. You know, I am about four hours away from where I grew up. That was accidental. That wasn't necessarily planned. Did you come down here when you were growing up? Was this like a destination? No, I'd been to Eureka Springs, you know, through the Strip one time as a young kid. You probably went to Springfield. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you would Mm -hmm. go to Springfield. Mm -hmm. That would be more more Right, the Battlefield Mall. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. But this area down here has really just taken on a flavor of its own in the last 15, 20 years. And was very insulated through the whole pandemic. When many other parts of the country were falling apart, everybody was on hard times. Even though this wasn't a walk in the park, it was very insulated against a lot of the woes that many other people were were experiencing at that time. So super fortunate place to be. Absolutely. So I got to ask you, because I, I do ask, I don't always ask everybody this, but when you're not forging knives and, and making that, where are some of your favorite places to go and hang out here in Northwest Arkansas? You got a favorite restaurant? I do. I, I like fishing. Uh, I do a lot of fishing. As okay. far as food, this is a wonderful hub for a, a lot of culinary efforts that you're seeing, really producing some amazing stuff. Well, I uh, mentioned three of the best chefs in Northwest Arkansas. Mm-hmm, you certainly so, did. Yeah, but, uh, yeah and Jejo's is is incredible <laughs> spot. Yeah. I, uh, let's see, La Medea Luna oh, yeah. uh, is the finest plate so far that I've had around here, period. And the things that you would think that they would do well, they did very well. But the chili relleno, okay, the simplicity and the skill and the the selection of that pepper was such a mind blowing experience. Off the chili relleno, I'll have <laughs> yeah. chili relleno on the side. The seafood mocajete, it's got all all kinds of incredible quality seafood, but it's simmering and bubbling around in this roasted poblano cream sauce, if oh I remember gosh, correctly. Dude, you're making me hungry. It you're is absolutely me. insane. Yeah. Other notable mentions, uh, Petra Cafe sure. in downtown. Absolutely. Uh, man, you go in here and have a, a pita and a bowl of fool, finish it off with a with a Turkish coffee and a baklava. <laughs> Life could be worse. <laughs> yes, exactly. So and much good food It's funny here. you mentioned yayos because I'm going to just give Chef Raphael a, a shout out because they make one of the best burritos that I've ever had. They make this California burrito. It's uh, twice the amount of meat and it's just, it's absolutely insane. And you can, you can get it with vegetables because they also make a really nice vegetarian version of it, but it's just, it's one of the best burritos. I, it's, it's like my go-to whenever I go there, but I mean, he knows his way around it. I mean, he, he can make, mo- I think he's, he makes the best mole in the area, which is not easy to make. And like, who would have ever thought that chocolate would go in a sauce, but it does. Mm-hmm. And it's super good. It's and the Lord's so truth. It is. So, I mean, there, 
There's just all kinds of, I mean, I think we're very fortunate because mm-hmm. we're right here in Northwest Arkansas and there's just so much, there's so much that we have at our disposal within the framework of this little corner of Northwest Arkansas that includes Fayetteville, Springdale, Rogers, and Bentonville. And then, of course, shout out to the little brother, Bella Vista and Siloam, and you mentioned Eureka. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've, we've got it all right here. So it Indeed. doesn't get much better than that. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and more integration, more connection. I think this is, uh, I choose to think of this in terms of abundance. Yeah. There's, there's yeah. plenty out here for everybody. And I think the more we plug in and connect and relate more with each other, the the greater success and the greater happiness we'll all find. Absolutely. And you're, this podcast is extremely influential and beneficial in, into plugging everybody in. Northwest Arkansas Makers Group with Bo and Shelley. They're really instrumental in plugging us all together. So it's a super fortunate place to be. No, I, I agree 100%. And I think that word abundance is a good word that we can end with because it really is true. What, what is happening here, there is a, an abundance of relationships. There's an abundance of opportunity. Anybody listening to this, whether you're living here now or you're, you're thinking about moving here, definitely consider it. This is a great place to live and certainly would be a great place to lay your hat and come here and be a part of the specialness of Northwest Arkansas, as you can hear from Kenneth Webb of Web Blades and just all the amazing work that he's doing. Ken, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me on, Randy. It's been a real pleasure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, folks, that's another episode of the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast. To learn more about us or to read or download the show notes from today's episode, visit IamNorthwestArkansas.com. You can listen to this podcast and Sign up for our free newsletter to keep up with us and all things NWA. Sign up today. You can subscribe to the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast wherever you listen to it. And please consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Remember, our podcast comes out every Monday, rain or shine. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and we'll be back here next week for another new episode of the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast. Peace. We hope you enjoyed this episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. Check us out each and every week, available anywhere that great podcasts can be found. For show notes or more information on becoming a guest, visit IamNorthwestArkansas.com. We'll see you next week on I Am Northwest Arkansas.